Hi, my name is Adam, and I've never seen Seven. Hi, welcome to Fine, I'll Watch It. My name is Bridget. I'm Johnny. And that was Adam, as you heard at the top. And today we are watching David Fincher's Seven from 1995. Seven. I couldn't. Seven. <laughs> uh, I, I can't quite pronounce it in as a fantastical way as Adam can. Uh, but this is the podcast where we show someone, anyone, a friend, a family member, a stranger, a film they have not seen that we consider to be seminal, part of the canon, or at the very least, must-see. So, right off the top, Adam, you've never seen Seven. What do you know about it, and why haven't you seen it? Uh, so I don't know much about it. I think it's crime-based in nature, so we're showing me a couple of different crime-based movies. I feel like this is... This is more of a whodunit than, than Mystic River was when I watched that last. At least I think so. This I feel like this is more along the lines of like a usual suspects where something's going on. There's some kind of serial killer maybe that's also focused, I want to say, around the seven deadly sins. I feel like that's where the seven comes from. Might be. Might um, be. A word equation math problem yeah yeah so that's what i think i know that brad pitt is in this and so is morgan freeman right they are yeah so i know that i know that david fincher directs it as you mentioned Uh, i don't know why i would have never seen this again i think we talked about this with mystic river a lot where crime dramas aren't necessarily my go-to they're not the one where when I see a trailer for it, I'm like, Ooh, okay, I gotta go see that. It's always like, someone will tell me it's good and I'll get there. Or someone that I know that's into crime dramas or crime thrillers will be like, oh my God, this movie. And then they'll show it to me. So thank you both for doing that. <laughs> but I think that's that's more or less what I know about it. And I don't... I, I We were kind of talking about this when we were trying to decide what movie to do next. That I feel like at some point in my life, I've heard there's a twist or that there's some kind of something or the person who did it. Like, I feel like I've had it spoiled for me, but I cannot for the life of me remember what that is. And I'm hoping that doesn't occur at some point during the movie where like, it's going to start and they'll show me some character like, Oh wait, that's the killer. Oh, I remember now. Um, so I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but it's one of those where I was always like, no, I don't want to know. Cause I do plan on eventually seeing this. I think we, before forewent watching Usual Suspects for that reason, because I do know the the twist there. I know the ending of that movie, uh, and it doesn't really make for the same kind of content. So we'll eventually have somebody on who knows nothing about that movie, because uh, I do hear it's very good. I have not seen it, but I do know the ending, and I feel like that would ruin it. <laughs> In terms of these people, I'm not really a huge Brad Pitt fan. I don't know if he's the major player in this, or if he's just one of... I feel like there's an ensemble cast or there's going to be at least a lot of faces that I'm going to recognize. Um, but I don't know if he's like the main player. Because when did this come out? Mid-90s, early 2000s? 1995. Okay, yeah. so this is pre-Fight Club then? When did Fight Club yes. come out? Yes, pre-Fight 
Fight Club was 99. 99. Okay. So this is even, so this is pre that. This is before he was really a big anything. This was... is really like after David Fincher kind of got his start when he got punted Alien 3 because it was such a shit show. Yeah. And he was a young director and they're like, go ahead, try, go ahead, little guy, like try and figure it out. And he did the best he could. It's still a piece of crap. But I think he showed his chops, and I don't believe there's really a Fincher big movie in between three and this movie. Mm-hmm. So this is really like his like premiere, like his like introduction, his debut really as a as a director. Okay, um, and I think it really just showcased and uh, a lot of his talents and what he really is like into as far as like tone. weird stuff. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's Fincher's milieu is it's, it can get a little zany. Not zany the way that Roger Rabbit was last week, but like crazy, like actual human crazy. Yeah, not, a little more realistic, yeah. a little more grim, very grim actually. Um, yeah. Prior to this, he had been, or in Alien 3, you know, he had been well known as a director of music videos. So he directed the video for Vogue. He directed Express Yourself. Right. Oh, okay. um, so I think that's where you get a lot of his stylistic elements. You can see that. He's a technical director first, and I think like an actor's director second. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of, you know, Morgan Freeman had already, you know, Driving Miss Daisy, I think was 1989. Brad Pitt. You know, he was just coming off of Legends of the Fall with this. And, you know, uh, Thelma and Louise. So he was known as a pretty boy. And this is, I think, a shift in tone for him. Mm. Huh? Yep. Just as some context. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, without revealing too much. Yeah, so, I mean, in terms of other Fincher movies I've seen, I had to pull up the list because it's not one that I immediately think of like oh okay that's fincher even though he does have those stylistic motifs i would have seen them outside of the context of this is a david fincher movie like i didn't watch fight club for the first time because someone was like oh my god david fincher you have to see this Mm -hmm. he did seven now he's doing this it was oh my god it's fight club everyone has this book in their college dorm room or everyone's like obsessed with it sure Uh, Mm -hmm. they have the poster they you know they quote the rules um, so I wouldn't have seen that as a necessarily a David Fincher movie, but like I have seen that one. I thought it was good when I watched it, you know, for the first time. But I think that was one of those ones where everyone hyped it like a crazy amount. Um, and I didn't even see it that long after. If it came out in 99, I probably saw it in 04, 05, if mm-hmm. I had to guess. So it didn't have the now 20 plus year buildup that it has. But I still thought it was like, no, oh, it's okay. It's, it's, it's good. Uh, I didn't see Panic Room, I don't think. Didn't see Zodiac, so that's one that I have to go through. Zodiac's so good. Yeah, that's always been on my list, and every time I like see it's going to leave Netflix, I'm like, oh, I better watch it, and then I don't. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll, we'll get to that one eventually. Benjamin Button I never saw. Did you guys see Benjamin Button? Yeah. I've not yep. seen Benjamin Button. You haven't? No. I, I kind of adore that movie, and there's a lot of people that really hate it, so I'm kind of in the other camp. Stylistically, like technically, it's it's flawless like most of his movies. Yeah. He's just a perfectionist when it comes to that stuff. Well, now when the big deal is all the, you know, the effects of de-aging and re-aging and babifying. Yeah, you know, but, but even back that. then, I think the movie came out in 2011 or something like that. And 2008. It, 2000, wow. So, I yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, want, I watched it not too long ago, and I don't mind trying to get, derail this, but it, it, it holds up for mm-hmm. sure. Okay. I saw Social Network. I really like Social Network. That was probably the first one where I was like, 
oh, okay, this Fincher cat's got something going on. Because mm-hmm. yeah. before that, I had only really seen Fight Club. So I saw Social Network when that came out. I really enjoyed that. The first season of House of Cards, which he directed a bunch of episodes of, was yeah. good. Yeah. That's all I saw of that was just like the first season, I think. Gone Girl I liked. I thought that one was good. Um, I did enjoy that. And that I think that was... Uh, that was it. There's girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, which, I, I which I'm I have a soft spot for. Yeah, but I, I really like that movie too. Controversial, I think in some circles. Now, have you guys seen the original that it's based on? Yes. Okay. I've not seen the Swedish film version, but I've read the books. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, so I'm I'm excited to see this. I do think because from what I'm guessing, it's more of a who done it, or it's more of a let's let's try to dissect this. Let's. Let's look at the different pieces, look at the different clues, as opposed to something where we know the person who didn't do it, yet they're the focus of it, because that was my big hang-up with uh, the last crime thriller that, that we did. Um, but I'm I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what uh, you know an early Brad Pitt film is like, or an early uh, David Fincher film. So uh, yeah. very much looking forward to this. Now, what is your guys' kind of history with this movie specifically? Mine, I don't spend this one nearly as much. I, I only think the last time I watched this was seven years ago, maybe. <laughs> um, but I am a Fincher fan. His movies just ooze atmosphere. They're very chilly and grim, and you kind of have to like be in a mood to watch his movies. It's kind of like like Silence of the Lambs type of stuff, but it just. But, like, that, like, aesthetic, like, is, like, there's parts of the movie where they're bright and there's bright colors and palettes. And here it's just, like, dark, dark, dark. And it's – I like a lot of the technical stuff he has to do. I think he's a good direct directing talent. Um, but for me, it's watching the settings and the impeccable editing and the choreo – or the uh, cinematography, which in a lot of his movies is incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, the music is always really cool. Particularly later on when he joins up with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, which yeah. is excellent. And I think Social Network was the first one of the those. The first pair, and yeah, then pretty much afterwards they've just been a team ever since. Yeah, because that was one of the elements that I picked up on when watching that of being like, oh, this is amazing. Very unique. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. He always has really cool like intros to his movies, particularly like something like uh, even like Fight Club or Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, where it almost feels like a Bond movie. Like mm-hmm. every... Yeah. Every movie has, like, this really intricate sort of, like, introduction with either it's like, special effects or the credits are flying around or whatever. I always think those are pretty cool to watch because um, that doesn't happen a lot much anymore. I think superhero movies do it quite a bit, but, like, a lot of movies do. don't, like, anymore, really. Yeah, yeah, because, um, like, the, you, especially in the early 2000s, like, those superhero movies, your X-Men's and your Spider, your early Spider-Man's, those are the ones where it's, like, it's flying through a web and all the names yeah. are popping up out of the web or it's... You know, it's the DNA strand, and they'll look, it's mutants, and... Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I have Here's to... Here's th- Hugh Jackman's name. I have to think it's a budget <laughs> thing, because th- that shit does cost money. It, it, it costs a lot of people's yeah, work a, and weeks of, uh, yeah. you know... It's another company you got to outsource to correct, to do your yeah. graphic design, and... So, yeah. it's like the higher bud- budget movies that get there. Like, I don't think Social Network had anything of the the effect. It's just him walking through Harvard Square, but mm-hmm. the other ones, like... I think the Dragon with the Tattoo, the tattoo movie was like a $100 million yeah. movie. But it's like a hundred million dollar movie that you don't really see the money on the screen until you see like this the the way they did it afterwards, where it's like layers and layers of just mm-hmm. special effects and snow and sheets of you know ice and things like that. You wouldn't even know that were in there. But getting back to seven, I enjoy it. I don't know why I haven't revisited it as much. Um, I think it's because it it's just a really just a dark 
grimy type of movie mm-hmm. that I always like, oh, which Fincher movie do I want to watch? And I'm like, I just want to get something just a little bit lighter. I feel like it is his darkest, most like cynical type of movie, which is not a bad thing. I think there's plenty of good movies that are like that. But again, I, I don't spend as much. I've only seen it. A hand, I think I watched it a bunch when I first watched it, but after that, I haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't want to say anything about a twist or anything like that, but I think you're going, if you, the procedural type of stuff, I will say, unlike Mystic River, I think you're going to enjoy that part of it. Yeah, because that's my favorite part of these crime thrillers, these crime dramas, is I want to see, because me as the audience, as much as we all try to not do this, like, we're following along and we're seeing the clues, your brain can't help but process the information in front of you. So I always like that aspect of like, let's try to figure it out together. Same thing with like the, you know, crime documentaries where, you know, let's try to figure it out together. That's why the ones where they're like, in the end, we just don't know, are so disappointing. Yeah. Uh, and that's why I'm hoping for more of that procedural element to it. Yeah, it definitely fits in the mold, especially of today's like hysteria and like fascination with like murder mysteries and mm-hmm. things like that. And I'm, I'm, I'm even... I'm surprised now to think about it. There hasn't been some sort of spinoff off of Seven or something to that effect where, again, the crimes are unique here, but like some sort of anthology or something mm-hmm. like that. I think they could have really marketed like a series off of this and read the, read the coattails on it. But um, yeah, Bridget, I don't know. What about you? What's your what's your uh, your take with Seven? I saw this movie for the first time when I was young. This oh, God. movie... <laughs> I hope not too young. Not, not too young. I was probably... A freshman in high school. Still too young. Which is still too young. Um, but this movie had a lot of mystique for me. It was probably when I was younger, me and my brother trying to like get my father to show us scary movies or like, you know, he would indulge us more than my mother would. Mm-hmm. And we had watched some movie and we were like, Ooh, probably something <laughs> like The Mist or something. And he was like, you want to watch a real scary movie? You should watch Seven. We're like, can we rent it? He said, absolutely not. And so from that point on, it became like a, that's a movie gotcha. that is. That even dad won't let us see. That yeah. like he was, yeah. had told us like about his experience watching it. And it does feel like a forbidden movie. Like it, it does. Like, like every time, even for like an adult, it's like, I shouldn't be watching this or hearing this. Yeah. And it, I've had, you know, Adam, you're not the first person that I've made watch this movie <laughs> so it became a thing i would be like Psst, you want to see some shit <laughs> so i have shown it to a couple people since and you know enjoyed it when i was in high school like through college but yeah i've not revisited it recently i've i'll rewatch zodiac which is a scary movie i would argue um i watched that yearly girl with the dragon tattoo also grim rewatch that regularly but this in some ways i think in my mind i think of it as in some ways immature because of the age that i first watched it Mm -hmm. and i'm not sure how i'm gonna feel about it going back i think i will still like it and i might appreciate it more but i'm kind of nervous yeah i feel like fincher like obviously most directors or anyone really working professionally matures in their work and what Mm -hmm. they do and i feel like he shows a lot of the dark and disgusting grimy corners of the world on the screen opposed to sort of like letting your imagination run with it like he does Mm -hmm. a lot of great cuts in dragon's tattoo and other like zodiac where you just kind of like it cuts perfectly and you're like oh man i can't even imagine like what Mm -hmm. he's looking at or she's looking at or 
what happened to this person. Here, again, it doesn't really get into like gore porn or anything like that, or like a saw or like a hostel or anything like that, but mm-hmm. it's as close to that as Fincher, I think, will ever get professionally unless he does something like saw yeah unless he really does, does the saw. next saw yeah. yeah they keep trying so yeah. maybe one day they'll get back around right 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 like dude you want to do a saw movie yeah so is this i mean and feel free not to answer this sure. if it's gonna you know throw off my perception of it is it more about the psychological horror aspect of it of like this could happen to anybody you could get this crime happen to you walking down the street or is it more of you're seeing what's happening and that's where it comes from well i, I would sh- me i don't know <laughs> i want i want to backtrack just a little because now you make a good point now that i think about the movie a lot of the crimes i don't think we can answer it yeah yeah, yeah it's yeah i'm not gonna i'm not gonna answer it okay. but, we plead the fifth okay yeah we plead the fifth yeah we plead the seventh <laughs> It's not like an everyday thing. This yeah. is like a wholly unique crime. This is sort of like the cops had to sort of defi- like kind of have to figure out like go back to the rule book you know, on certain yeah. things. You know what I mean? Like how to tackle this particular problem that they have in the movie. Gotcha. Because I know sometimes with movies like this, it's just as much about what you're seeing happen to these people as it is, hey, when I'm walking home from the store at night in a big city, I could get kidnapped and mutilated or you know, right. strung up from a tree with, you know, whatever cr- carved into me. Like, yeah, those are out-of-the-box crimes that don't happen every day, but they are still realistic to an extent. Right. So I, I mean, wasn't sure if the scariness of it or the taboo nature of it is from that element of it or if you're just really seeing gore. No, I mean, it's... it's. I mean, you know, like that, like typical, like scene in a, like in a movie where like a cop walks out of a scene that like some, another cop is entering to and he's like, I've never seen anything like that yeah, in my yeah. life. And he's got like a, a, yeah, a towel years or like a, a thing over his. He's like about to throw up. Yeah, it's that's this, that's seven. Okay. Yeah, okay, all right. Yeah. But again, I think that's. I'm not going to say anything more about it. That's fine. But it's a ride. It's a good movie. Again, I think you're already maybe probably going to lean into the camp where we are, where it's you're going to enjoy it. Probably don't want to ever see it anytime soon. Okay. Afterwards, but I think you're going to like it. Cool. Anything else we need to share? Um, no. So, Adam, what do you have to say for yourself? Fine. I'll watch it.
And we are back. We just finished 1995's Seven. Adam, how do you feel? That movie was hilarious. Oh, Jesus <laughs> Christ! <laughs> uh, to be fair, that movie was a lot funnier than I was anticipating. Uh, be- there's a lot of quips. There, there are a lot of quips. And I feel like Johnny and I were over on this side of the couch, like, so tense because we know what's coming. Right. Whereas you were able to just enjoy... They're great lines. They're no, great yeah, because it's the thing is, like, you completely forget about those funny little bits because, like, the yeah. dark, grimy, cynical stuff yeah. just outweighs all mm-hmm. of that. No, I mean, I, all I, the banter. I had to start it off in the <laughs> no, sure, of possible. course, yeah, we needed a little, little bit of a chuckle um, to break the tension. Yeah, of course, everybody's everybody here on the couch is a little, you know, hearts are beating, palms are sweaty. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, so you know, you got to break the tension a little bit. But that was that was a great movie. I really, really liked that movie cool. a lot. Like I said, it was funnier than I because you know you see you hear about a movie like this and it's all about murder and the seven deadly sins, which yeah. I I did know going. You've in. got sixteen year old Bridget selling it to you as like it's just twisted. Yeah, like, like yeah, it's yeah. a movie your dad wouldn't let you watch, and we're sitting here watching it and. Uh, like, I'll be honest, I didn't take a single note while we were watching that. I was too engrossed, which is a good thing. Uh, it wasn't like I was just apathetic and just like, whatever. Because uh, I'm not allowed to be that. Morgan, uh, Morgan Freeman does not allow that. But uh, as I'm sitting there watching it, like, Brad Pitt's got funny jokes. Some of the, like, lawyer characters and people coming in and out. Some of the cops have, like, quips. And I was just like, this is... For a movie that's as dark and as grim and as, like, dirty and dingy as this movie is, it's surprising that there's, like, actual chuckleable, like, laugh-out-loud yeah, moments. Yeah, it, it, it needs it, though. Like, it, no, it absolutely does. And I totally forget does. that it exists, but it does need it when, it, when, I, when yeah, I am watching it. It absolutely does, and I don't know how the movie would have worked if there wasn't moments of levity in it. Uh, but it was just, it completely took me by surprise how often I was just, you know, giggling over here and right some quip brad pitt said or some you know offhanded comment or like the part at the end when they're just shaving their chests and joking yeah. around about uh you know if you cut a nipple off do you get workman's comp like that's a funny <laughs> joke it is yeah and they're about to go escort a serial killer to go find two more dead bodies or whatever it is and i'm just like what okay. i think i think they're just like i think they're just like happy that like the like it's finally gonna be an end yeah not the end yeah well yeah but no, I was. <laughs> yeah. But I was thoroughly engrossed throughout. Uh, I was very much into the whole police procedural aspect of it. The looking at pictures, the looking at clues, talking to different people. Probably could have had a little bit more of that, but I liked the interplay between Mills and Somerset. Yeah, Somerset. So- yeah, Somerset. Okay. I like the interplay between them. I thought they were both excellent in this movie. I I liked the story itself. We'll get to the ending. Uh, the one thing that I did know about going in, and obviously we're, we're talking full spoilers, but the one thing where I was saying beforehand, where like, I feel like I've heard something about the ending to this or the twist or whatever, and I hope it doesn't come up. It didn't until it, it didn't matter anymore. Uh, and all I knew was that something's in the box. You know, that was basically it. And once the box happened and we know what was in the box... Only then was I like, oh, it's box jokes I've heard or like mm-hmm. gifts or I think, Bridget, you mentioned like you'll send a group text about like someone will get takeout food and you'll send a gift of like what's in the box. So like <laughs> that is all I knew of it. So it didn't it didn't impact anything. 
Uh, the only other thing that I saw in between us talking and us starting the movie was that Kevin Spacey was in it. So I was glad once once they knew who it was that it wasn't a secret anymore. His voice was there. He shows up right afterwards. Yeah. So I was glad that was the case. So it wasn't like, hey, look, it's Kevin Spacey, the random hot dog vendor. And, oh, he's the killer. I, I knew it. Like, so I'm glad it. he only showed up when it didn't matter anymore who the killer was because we know now. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so that was the only other thing that. But none of that ruined it for me. I I thoroughly, uh, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Now, you guys mentioned you were tense. How did you feel, uh, Bridget, watching this again? You were nervous going into it a little bit. I was nervous. I had forgotten how funny and quippy it is. It was both more disturbing and less disturbing than I remember, because there are things about it that if you think very hard about what's going on, I think a lot of it would fall apart under a lot of scrutiny, like just how how is this man doing this kind of thing? How Like, how did he know that Mills would eventually be the final wrath? Like, what was his plan at the end? Is yeah. he a ge- Like, you know what I mean? But if you just kind of let the movie wash over you, yeah, and that's it, it and feels better, and it does a very good job of keeping you in the moment and feeling very tense. Mm-hmm. Like I, in particular, felt tense during the chest shaving scene where you're like, oh, "Buddy's <laughs> being friends," and like, I'm like, "Oh no, it's it's going to go so horribly." Yeah, and I figured. Uh, I think there was one point in the car on the way there where. Kevin Spacey's like, you're not going to miss anything. And I'm like, oh, are are those two the last two? Like, is that what we're going to do here? And somehow it would be proven that, you know, one of them would kill the other in a fit of wrath. And because of, Mm -hmm. like, I thought he was going to pit them against each other. And there's like a Mexican standoff and they kill each other in those last two bodies. Yeah. I thought there was a very real possibility. And once you make that deal, I know another shoe is going to drop. So I was... I was kind of, but like you said, the movie keeps you in the moment. So I was able to laugh at the chest shaving for the wires and the jokes about, you know, removed nipples, knowing full well that this isn't just going to be, here we go. There's two bodies here in this house and I drove you to them and the movie is over. Uh, (laughs) Right. What about you, Johnny? Yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty much just how I remember. Remember again, like I said, I had not seen it in a while. The moments that do stick out from before that we watched tonight are still the ones that stick out to me now, which are like the stark imagery or just like the, the, the talking and the dialogue about the crimes itself. Like Mm -hmm. the flashes of like the guy without his tongue or like that gimp suit or like things like those are the things that I remember. Mm -hmm. Like when we start talking about seven, I'm like, Oh man. Yeah. That's the movie with like all like the the disgusting ways people die. Like it's just strap on knife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's horrible. And it's just, you know, you start off with one really disgusting one and it it gets like increasingly more disgusting. Like, I don't think, I mean, some of the crimes are like, they're kind of like, I think the one like pride uh, one's pretty tame. Pride, greed, um, are pretty tame. Yeah, they I mean, whatever. Fo- the guys like split open or whatever, but yeah, but they don't focus. They don't linger on it. They don't focus so much on those. Whereas, like, they spend a good ten minutes in Gluttony's house, looking at him, moving him around. Right. They spend a good chunk of time talking about sloth because obviously that's creepy as well. Yeah, sloth get is out. the worst. Um, but yeah, pride. And sloth doesn't... is definitely the worst. I'm like, oh god, we're gonna get to the air freshener scene. <laughs> no! All the air fresheners hanging. I couldn't tell Adam if you could see. I was trying. To, I no. was doing an Eddie and like trying to not 
look at the screen because I hate I hate air fresheners. I hate air fresheners. <laughs> Disgusting. Yeah. Get a get a Yankee candle. Yeah, get one of those diffusers for your vent. Don't get the trees. Yes. Um. Just. And I hate being startled. Yeah, <laughs> I hate. I, I hate will. I will say. I did. I did forget that that like he was like actually still alive. I'm like, oh, that's didn't even cross my mind right. until it happened. Mm-hmm. Like, because no, I, you know, they make mention of the first case of like, did you check the vitals? Is he actually dead? And they're like, guys, come on. Like, I know a guy who's face down in spaghetti. He's dead. Yeah, uh, it looks like one of Zach's corpse. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't. At no point was I just was at no point was I expecting any of them to be. Alive, especially not Sloth, who just looks absolutely worse for wear. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that he was, like, apparently there for a year is mm-hmm. just, like, just terrible. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely uh, terrible. Uh, it, it, yeah. <laughs> and that that was a scene in particular that always, like, I remember my father. I remember my father telling me about this movie, and I can picture us, we're in a McDonald's. And he's explaining that scene <laughs> to us. God. This is why I am the way I am. But just being like, that sounds horrible, and it's worse. I can't imagine. I need to see it on film. Yeah, (laughs) uh, yeah, I'll have to see how it comes out. The movie is every bit as claustrophobic as I remember it being. Again, like, it's very, it lives very much in its own world, and that's why I think it kind of plays by its own rules, and it gets away with some of the stuff that Britt is talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, throughout the course of the running time of this movie, we're like, what city is it? What city is it? And, like, it's so irrelevant and it's not even like about like where it is and it's just it's it's just a setting it's just an urban setting you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and they make and once you guys pointed that out i couldn't help but hear every time they were like oh i hate it here i hate this city this is what this place is like why'd you want to transfer here like i was playing back all the moments of like oh yeah it was really nondescript though i did laugh when you guys yeah, like, it's like windows says new york pizza and we're like all right but that's just a style of pizza <laughs> right right i mean it's kind of like a comic book city like a gotham yeah, or like exactly. metropolis or something yeah. like that it just doesn't really matter yeah it's uh, not a character in the movie the way that new york can be a character right or la can be a character when but you... it just adds like that like fictional element to yeah. it that just makes it a little bit out of the out of reality a little bit you know mm-hmm. what i mean so it gets away with some of that stuff but yeah, it's 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 dark. It's it's I mean, like it's lit very dark, and it's actually mm-hmm. a very dark movie tonally. But I mean, technically, it's a very cool movie, and it really shows that Fincher has some really cool chops right from the beginning. And mm-hmm. the intro is really cool in the beginning. Well, they do it like kind of like after one scene after they meet yeah. for the first time. Yeah. But yeah, I just think it's it's still a very enjoyable movie. It remind it's. It's the 90s Silence of the Lambs, even though the, I think Silence of the Lambs came out in 1990. Yeah, it's, Silence of the Lambs doesn't have all the sort of I guess, style that this movie has. And I think this, if you look at this, this has set the tone for a lot of what comes later. Like, if you think about Memento, you think about even like American Horror Story and the style of introduction. Yeah, Fight Club, and, you know, like, like The Matrix, it's like that late 90s, 90s sort yeah. of like... Uh, the, the color palette. And I was gonna, I wrote down '90s beige. Yeah, '90s <laughs> beige. Before we yeah. get into the millennium and everything gets silver in like kind of white yeah. decay era, we crash right into swordfish, where it's yeah. just like yeah, complete gold. There's yeah. like no cut, just yellow. The whole movie is just yellow. Yep. But yeah, but again, you have like this sort of like villain who's sort of like again, he doesn't show. I mean, obviously in Silence of the Lambs, that villain shows up way early on. Mm-hmm. This one shows up later on, but it has that nice, cool dynamic about the mythology and 
how he's like an intelligent psychopath, you know what I mean? Or yeah. Maybe not even as like a psychopath, whatever, but... Um, well, yeah, there's that line where he's like, don't think of him as a crazy person. Yeah. Because that divorces him from reality. If you do that, you have to think of him as a plotting, methodical maniac, I guess, but not crazy. Right. Because he's not doing this because he's crazy, necess- I mean, he is, but he's doing this... But a dumb person couldn't pull off what correct. he did, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I think overall I- I've enjoyed it. Just as I did, like, every other time. I don't mm-hmm. think I enjoyed it less or more than the times before. Were you still finding the tense moments to be incredibly tense? Or were you just like, I know what's going to happen, and you're just going with the flow of it? I mean, not so much tense, because I knew what was going to happen. I think it kind of, like, I actually did kind of tense up for, like, the end part. Because that always was kind of hazy to me, what actually transpires in the desert. Like, I was, for a minute, and again, I don't want to get too much into the ending part of it. But, like, I thought, like, the wife... And her baby were the two uh, last uh, victims. The victims or yeah. uh, deadly sins. Um, and then I totally remember that he just loses it. And he's the one who's like the vengeance part mm-hmm. of it. All it just, I, I think I wasn't like so much nervous for you or the anxiety of watching everything. It's just always just like, it's just, it's a gross movie to watch mm-hmm. throughout. Um, <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. I feel like I got to take a shower right now. <laughs> cool. So I'm glad you enjoyed it, but. And I, I think this movie is very uh, final watch it friendly with its timeline because it gives us a nice seven day work week right yes. here. Yeah. Um, so I so suppose we can jump right into Monday, which again starts with the gluttony. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one thing I noticed right from the get go when uh, Morgan Freeman's Somerset is getting ready is. You could tell this is an early director's movie because he's got a lot of really deliberate shots of like, look, all these things are laid out on the table. Look, you're seeing the police label. I need to get this shot. I need to get like it. It felt very much like a beat for beat shot list kind of thing at the beginning where it's almost more academic than it is. Yeah. Something of someone like going free and for And I don't me. think that's something that Fincher shakes at all. I mean, he embellishes it later on in his mm-hmm. career. I mean, he's obsessed with, like, giving you information and making you feel like you're, like, a detective yourself watching the movie. Yeah. So there's almost montages throughout this movie and later on in his other stuff where it's just newspapers and mm-hmm. people on a microfiche machine and shit like that. Yeah. It's just It's a lot of that. So... It's maybe not as elegant here. You know what I mean? It's just like you said, it's very tactical. It's very just like, boom, A, B, C, let's cover all our grounds. Later on, maybe it feels a little more organic, like yeah. in the, the Dragon Tattoo or mm-hmm. Social Network or whatever. But Yeah, I don't know why it struck me this way, but like when Somerset grabs his badge for the very first time and you see like the wallet and the switchblade and the gun and he's just like grabbing one thing. Like it felt very much almost like a... Uh, like a college film student's like, okay, I have to show yeah. all of the things. Because if I if he pulls a switchblade later, people are going to be like, where'd the switchblade come from? Sure. I need to show the audience that, look, he has a switchblade. So when it shows up later, it's not confusing because those are the notes my professor gave me. It's funny. <laughs> I think it cut too early from my eyes, but I was like, is that seven objects on his, uh, his nightstand oh. right there? I don't think so. Um, Whatever. It's yeah. something I th- There's it, it'd be funny because if it here. was that something like an early sort of like director would do like let's just put the seven in right away. Let's just seven this and seven that. Well, we do get a lot of sevens. I mean, we've got the seven days. We've got the seven deadly sins. We've right. got the delivery right at seven. Like, yeah. there's a lot of. I wouldn't be surprised if there was a lot more of those. That he gives like, him like seven just, books to read. Like it just, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of that shit in the Honestly, movie. I think he yeah. probably did give him a list of seven books. Yeah. Or so he's got seven spark notes that he's purchased or what. Like so. 
it does seem like there's the motif and i would wonder on rewatch if i ever do uh if i could pick out any more of those pick up examples. any more of those yeah. yeah again not 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 completely distracting but yeah there is sort of like that elementary stage in his career where mm-hmm. he's maybe just feeling out or using some of the skills honing in on some stuff that he's learned at least from maybe the couple of the the music videos that he did or mm-hmm. alien 3 or whatever but <laughs> yeah I, I do i do know what you mean by that so i mean gluttony was gross yes um gross. He, we've got the binding of the hands and feet with what looked like barbed wire or some kind of you know, it wasn't Unpleasant, rope. yeah. Yeah, so some kind of metal bindings. How, so how early on did you be like, this is about the seven deadly sins? Because I don't think until we see, not even the gluttony, like the next sin is where we, the first time we see the actual verbiage. Yeah. Um, well, I think I said to you guys when that second one comes up, like, I'm glad that the characters have established this as the seven deadly sins so early. Because yeah. that was one of the things that I knew the seven referred not to. Not them running back to, like, to the scene of seven scenes, seven, you know, of crimes. Yeah, I, yeah, I knew. And the second that they were just like, this giant fat dude was there, I'm like, oh, gluttony. gluttony because of yeah. the seven deadly sins, there's, like, three that I always remember. Sure. It's always, like, envy, greed, gluttony, and then I forget about wrath and, and then, sloth you know, and all sloth that. Sloth and yeah. all those other ones. There's just, like... The ones that people hit on whenever whenever it gets brought up, there's usually only three or four that people are sure. referencing, and the, gluttony is one of them. So yeah. um, when that came in, and I was fairly confident that I was right in the assessment of, I'm pretty sure I know that's what this movie is about yeah. uh, in the larger scheme of things, uh, but that didn't do anything in terms of the enjoyment of it, knowing that, uh, because they get to it so quickly, where just, the two murders are very... Uh, if they're not the same day, it's, you know, Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And so they're just like, yep, he wrote uh, he wrote this, and then we found this behind the fridge, and boom, Seven Daily Sins, we're on. Everybody's on board now. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was pretty much, you know, new when it, I saw the fat guy. But, yeah, that was gross. Him face down in the spaghetti and all the jars of, like, with the jars, they're the canned spaghetti sauce, or was it like SpaghettiOs? I, I always thought it was like SpaghettiOs. Yeah, even if it's just like spaghetti sauce, I imagine being like a SpaghettiOs or like a Chef Boyardee type yeah. of thing going on. Yeah. Because yeah. Um, they, they flash by the stack of them really quickly, and then they do show up again later when they're in his apartment because he's got the little box shrine. The trophies, uh, yeah. To each of them. So I was trying to, to double check, but all I could read was like the word sauce because they pan by it really quickly. Yeah. But that could just be a SpaghettiOs in sauce mm-hmm. or you know, meatballs in sauce. Right. But. Now, did you find that, like, the size of his body to be a little, like, unrealistic or comical? Because that's one thing that I kind of noticed this time around. I was like, it's... I, I, listen, I know people can get that big. Yeah. But I think it's a little, like, toonish in a way, in a way where it just feels like it's... Like it's ripped out of, like, a Spawn comic book or yeah, something like that. Yeah, like the just, blob. And, yeah, uh, something a little yeah. exaggerated where, okay, we're in sort of, like, a realistic but we are stretching certain certain things here if this was 1995 maybe but in a world where i know that my 600 pound life exists yeah and know plenty of people who watch that yeah uh bridge is laughing <laughs> and hiding in shame right. <laughs> but like in a world where i know like that exists yeah in popular culture it's not that outrageous that somebody could be almost comically oversized right to the point where someone would pick them out of a lineup to be like that person is entirely their gluttonous yeah they're not just you know having a bad 
stretch of months or whatever. Then I didn't put on a few. It's not the quarantine 15 over here. Sure. It's like that person has a problem and this psychopath has picked them out for that reason. So I didn't, I, and I also think it's the way they were hunched over the table that really adds to it. Cause it compresses everything and pushes out the sides a little bit. Sure. So it, yeah, it didn't really strike me as overly comical. I think it was just one of those things where, uh, because of the disfiguration in the body at that point, yeah. like the body's Dis- like blue and purple and green and yellow. Like there's a lot yeah. of colors, granted muted colors. Mute, it's yeah. not bright. Right. It's not Roger Rabbit again. Yeah. But like, it's very like the muted color that you see with like a really bad bruise. Yeah. Where right. like, there's several layers in there, and that's what I was more focused on rather like than rigor mortis and inflation yeah. and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and you know, as a as a movie like this, you're looking. I find myself looking around the screen, being like, "Am I going to notice a clue before they do? Is there something on the table? Is there something, you know, off or weird that like I could see?" So I was more kind of wishing on you had your own flashlight too. It's pretty uh, pretty dark the way they shoot it. Like it just it's. Like, even in there, I was like, does this guy even have electricity? And I saw, like, one little lamp in there, and I was mm-hmm. like, this could be so much brighter if they wanted yeah. to be plugged. Yeah. It's just every one of those scenes outside of me with the lawyer's office and some of the other ones are just so dingy and detailed. Like, the production design of some of the stuff is mm-hmm. is wild, particularly his apartment later on. Yeah. Um, but what did you sort of think of, like, just – because that sets that – kind of, that, 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 that scene, that, that kitchen scene kind of sets the tone for the whole movie. Yeah, because that's when you you realize that, like, okay, we're going to be going to a lot of these dark and dingy crime scenes. I was glad that we weren't, that we started this a little later. Because had we started this a little earlier in the day, or had it been a little bit sunnier outside, yeah. the, you know, the TV is adjacent to a window, so it can get a pretty bad glare, like, in the middle of the day. Sure. So, thankfully, this was a nighttime movie for us. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, we dimmed the lights in the room, which was a good call. Uh, so, it was, it, but it, it did set the tone. Like yeah, it it, it, it's atmospheric right off the right mm-hmm, off the cuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it's just it's it's a cool look to see somebody, especially cops. Like for whatever reason, any cop or detective story, whenever they bust out their flashlight and they're looking around, that not only is that cool because you're only seeing snippets of the scene where you know stuff may not be the focus where within the light, but you see shadows, you see you know objects silhouetted that are kind of cutting in right and it also helps to build the tension so a movie like this just absolutely needs this kind of atmosphere yeah yeah so they bring him they bring this body to the uh the coroners mm-hmm. need several I'm, people to lift it onto the table yeah like four orderlies i think was yeah. was the uh the words bridget i'm trying to recollect what exactly sort of transpired there but i think a couple of big clues happened there yep they they discussed the hematoma the the bruise on the back of the head likely caused by a gun yeah. so this person was being held hostage yeah, but they had been eating for a while and essentially you know exploded exploded <laughs> the the stomach that um, that part was gross where he just holds up the big plastic bag of like this is his stomach this isn't right like this is yeah. way too big <laughs> it's too stretchy there's too much spaghetti in here. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's the part where he's like, look at the stomach cavity. And Brad Pitt's like, I don't know what the fuck that is. Just yeah. tell yeah, me. Just get it the fuck away from me. Yeah, just <laughs> tell me what's going on. But I just, that, mm-hmm. that would be so off-putting. As, granted, you know, cops see all kinds of crazy things and detectives and homicide all see. But if a coroner just holds up a big bag with a stomach in it, I'm like, no, it's too much. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. 
I and at that point, that's when it's ruled a homicide yep. for certain. You With know. a funny line where he's like, "We got a homicide on our hands." Yeah, and, and Morgan Freeman <laughs> has had it, yeah. and and basically, then they go and speak to not the chief of police, but their direct boss, mm-hmm. and that's when Somerset is saying, "You know, this is this is just getting started. I don't want any part of this." Yeah. I leave. Can't have my last case, case be this. Be right, this. Somerset's retiring, yeah. And, and he's not ready. And so it begins some early tension between Mills mm-hmm. and Somerset. But it's agreed that Mills will be moved and Somerset has to stay with the gluttony case. Yeah. Right. So, and then... Then that's how we get to greed. Yeah, we get to greed. Because that's Mills' case that that's he then gets put on. On his own. Yeah. And you see, there's... I love the shot of him watching on television the press conference and mm-hmm. he's in the crime scene and he just has Brad Pitt does like this thing with his arms kind of around his, his head. It's like, oh no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not prepared. Right, for this. right. Yeah, because that's, I mean, uh, a district, not, not a district attorney, but a defense attorney, a high profile one, as they say. And, his office is grandiose. He's the greed victim, obviously. That's a big, high-profile case to have as your first one. Like you went from weird, creepy, gluttony, stomach explodey victim to a person everybody knows, a person that's on the other side of the law, so to speak. I mean, he's still a lawyer. He's meant to uphold the law, but he's a defense attorney, so he's clearly going to be representing some people who probably should be guilty, but he's working to get them get them off right that's a big high profile case for your first one so the exasperated look that he has and the way he like shuts off the tv was mm-hmm. just very telling yeah, yeah not not what not what the part of the job that he signed up for at no all. yeah um simultaneously the emmy's office delivers some bits of unknown origin yeah. plastic that were found in the stomach of the gluttony victim and it sends him back to the original scene of the crime to try to figure out what is going on here. It's just such a tiny, weird, bizarre thing to do to sort of bring them back to that scene. Mm-hmm. The, yeah. the, the, the tile that's shredded up from the refrigerator to be put in, it, it just... It's, it's not far-fetched, it. but it's pretty goddamn close. It, 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 that's the thing. This yeah. is where you start to be like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait a minute. Like but this... what, when you're in the moment, you're like letting, you're just letting the mystery Yeah, like the way he puts you. it perfectly back in, and I'm like... Yeah. yeah. It's it's like, I would imagine finding like the perfect slot for a puzzle piece and being like, oh my god, just like the feel of it is so right. You're like, yes, and then you back up a little bit, and... See it's like picture. from a completely different puzzle. Yeah. yeah, you realize you're not home at your coffee table putting together some you can't, a thousand piece picture of horses or something like that on a farm. Yeah, and there's like one one perfectly like little fish like in there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't, you can't think about it because then you pull the refrigerator back and the word gluttony is written in grease on the mm-hmm, back. And right, we're, right. We're moving and now. Now we're moving and then I believe, I'm not sure what exactly takes them back to the greed office but oh she they go to interview the wife of yeah. the da yeah. at a hotel and she says oh the picture's upside down yeah mm-hmm. this like it's ridic- just random painting it's a random abstract. painting with a yeah. bunch of paint yeah. on it that's Some just modern art right yeah um but that comes about you know we have before that we have somerset 
doing an investigation on his own in the library. Right, right. Yeah, the library scene was cool. Yep. Beautiful library, guys playing poker. Their interplay back and forth was real great. He's like, you guys got all of the knowledge in the known universe right here at your disposal. And you sit there playing poker with each other. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, we'll, we'll read eventually. Like, we'll get a book. Don't you worry. Like, we're cultured. Yeah. How's Let's... this for culture? Yeah. yeah. How's this for culture? I love that. Yeah. And then again, we get another sort of obsessive informational montage that mm-hmm. that Fincher, again, will be a hallmark of a lot of the shit that he does in his movies. Yeah, but I like the I like that montage a lot because I like the cutting in of the different like I liked him walking through the library stacks and seeing like Canterbury Tales and, you know, Dante's Inferno and all these different books that are Yeah, it's not it's not as kinetic, sense. I think, as some of the other stuff you would see later on where it's, you got like the Trent Reznor score it's like dun 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 dun, dun, dun and it's just like all this stuff going on. So we did this get is, some Trent Reznor at the beginning. We did. We got some nine inch nails, I totally forgot about that. <laughs> but yeah, I like him sort of just like kind of perusing down the, the library, trying yeah. to pick out these these books. He's um, photocopying stuff and you see the snippets and he's like highlighting things and writing things yeah. down. Like it's a really good informational montage and not so much information on the fact that they're telling the audience anything it's just these are important this is research these things all relate to the killer right here's the somerset working through it even though us as the audience isn't really getting anything from it yeah. i guess maybe if i was a scholar or well it's sort of ever read you... canterbury tales no I yeah because you, you, but... you recognize the words canterbury tales yes. you recognize dante's inferno yeah you may not know what that is, though. Yeah. And there's a little bit of, like, telling you what kind of all this is about. Yeah. I remember, at least in high school, we read Dante's Inferno, at least a, a part or a parable yeah. of it. And then I personally don't have a lot of familiarity with the Canterbury Tales, so I don't know if, Bridget, you can enlighten me and the oh, uh, the listeners. A little bit, you know, it's, I want to say And not to put you on the spot, but. You know, it's fine. Yeah. Um. If you want, like, that, I don't. I can't. Is it? I mean, I is it? It does. It does. It does. It fall in line with like the end of day sort of Dante's Inferno with just like all the sinful stuff and. Um. Not necessarily. It's. I guess the best way to maybe describe it is it's more like folk tales. So, but you're getting more insight into the kind of mindset of people who would have really taken the seven sins and the seven virtues very seriously right. and who would have put um, the fear of god in you sort of yeah, stuff yeah because know. john doe's outlook on morality is very medieval so you know go to these kind of medieval yeah. texts to to get a better understanding right. but i do like like those insert shots of like uh the text where it's like i rip his windpipe out or yeah, something yeah. like that like i like that and, type of stuff and you're cutting back and not forth. me personally but yeah, I yeah like please this. please no um you're cutting back and forth between Somerset's investigation and Mills's at home. So you're seeing, if I'm remembering correctly, the illustrations and then actual crime scene photos. So yes. you're seeing that these yeah. two are eventually going to... Yeah. They're, they're going to dissect. They're going to merge. Yeah. I think Mills like gives up and just watches the Knicks after a while. <laughs> well, but... that's, yeah, well, and that's the thing, too, is that shows the different kinds of detectives that they are, where mm-hmm. uh, Somerset is clearly seasoned. He's a vet. He knows exactly what to look for. He's very no-nonsense. You see that with the guys playing poker and with Mills showing up late, I think, at the very first scene. And, mm-hmm. you know, he tries to give him the excuse. And he's just like, don't care. Let's We're going to go talk. Like, don't – I don't care about any of your shenanigans. I don't care about any of your hostilities or your emotions. Like, I just got to put my nose in a book and figure this out. Whereas he's 
you know, Mills is drinking beers. He's watching the game. He's, you know, like, I got to go to bed. It's 1030. It's, you know, whatever. So it just shows the, it gives you a really good example of the two types of people that they are um, when, and you know, they're going to work together now because their two cases have smashed up together. Sure, sure. But I do love how he's like, I got some books that you should read and gives him like the nice paper with all the lists and everything. And he just sends another beat cop to go buy spark notes. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. He does read them though. At least a little yeah, bit. Yeah. He, he does reference them yeah. in the conversations later. Yeah. After that library scene, I think we meet his wife. Mm-hmm. At least they have that dinner, which is, which is a nice yeah. little scene. Yeah. I think we made it earlier when he like gets up to go to work on Tuesday. He like gets up out of bed on Tuesday and she's laying there and he, she says, like, oh, I wish we got out of Tractor Pole Town. Yeah. No, really, yeah. yeah, that's, like, what it is. Yeah. And she she's insistent that Somerset come over for dinner. They really hit it off, and she's the key to the kind of the softening of the relationship between Somerset and Mills, but also Somerset's, you know, kind of not heartwarming like, he's the Grinch, but, you know, he's becoming less apathetic. He's becoming more involved, more willing to invest in yeah. right. when I think the investigation. It, the, the couple aspect of it does humanize Mills a lot, because when he first gets there, he's a hothead. He seems like a hothead. He seems like he's just out there to, you know, catch murderers and rapists and all these other things. Because he – they don't say where he comes from, because, again, this is really out of sure. real yeah. geography. But it seems like farm. we get farm town with tractor poles, very small town. Yeah, there's probably homicides, but it's not New York, L.A., Chicago like mm-hmm. this is. So that really humanizes him of like, oh, he's not just in it to, you know, he's not some hothead 25-year-old hotshot detective. Like, he's he's got a high school sweetheart. Like, he's yeah. just, yeah. they've he's been together. State. Yeah, they have four dogs. Yeah. Like, lo- How are the kids yeah. about the dogs? Yeah. Kind of thing. So it does help a lot. Though I will say, I don't know that I've ever seen Morgan Freeman laugh out, like a hearty laugh out loud moment. I'm sure he's chuckled and done a little smiles because he's very stoic in a lot of his roles. But that was creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was, that was extended to say the least. I remember him laughing maybe a little bit in Shawshank. Did not see the one where he's like, he's retired with Jack Nicholson and they're jumping out of planes or whatever, yeah. which I'm sure the bucket like list? is them like yucking up. Yeah, the yucking list. And- <laughs> yeah. Just smiling and like nodding at people knowingly. Right. But that laugh is creepy. It almost made me think in that moment that maybe he's the killer. <laughs> you know what? There, there are a couple of things they throw in there. Oh my God. I wonder if Adam's thinking that like, there's like one scene later on where he's like throwing darts at the board and everything, and the music's yeah. kind of tense. And I'm like, I wonder what Adam's kind of thinking right now. But there was little inklings in my because again, going in, I was expecting maybe some kind of twist because I had heard a big shock ending, which again, box. But there were moments where I was just like, you know, he's awful deliberate. Like, it's weird that he's a loner who's never been married and likes to hang out at the library. Like, not that there's anything wrong with that, but that seems weird in this instance. Right. But I never let it creep too far in of like. They're really going to swerve me and he's either the killer or he's working with the killer and this is a tandem thing. Like there were moments where I th- maybe thought it, but it never really set in as a legitimate theory. Sure, sure. Like mm-hmm. He was creepy. It was, yeah. But it's in this moment that they start to work together. Yes. And that's how they end up at the safe house where the wife is. They ask her about the painting. Mm-hmm. They flip it, cut it open. It's not right. 
Morgan Freeman goes to dust for fingerprints, and eventually it's a big sign that says, help me, but just in Just like palm prints, prints and fingers yeah. and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. It, it looks like the unwiped Chili's table. Yeah, it looks... <laughs> just like it's heinous, yeah. Fajita grease. <laughs> just help everywhere, me. yeah. Yeah, help me. No, uh, that, was, that was cool. Especially because you see... And they do this a lot, where... You see the look on characters' faces before you actually get to see what they're looking at. The best example of that is the end. Mm-hmm. Um, but Morgan Freeman has these shots a lot in this movie where you see him and he's just and everyone's just like "son of a bitch," and that's when they pull back and you, the forensics guy's in here and he's got the big black light you know, like mural mm-hmm. window almost right. to where you can see this "help me" thing, which is just chilling because yeah. it's like, okay, who wrote this? Did did he make Greed Guy write it as part of his punishment? Did he write it? And he, he the help me is, I'm a sick maniac. I need you to help me. So catch me. Because I feel like there are serial killer type stories where the person really wants to be caught because it's the only way that they get the notoriety and the, you know, the fame is being caught. So I thought maybe that was one of those, like, help me gain fame some sort of legacy yeah. yeah exactly but to find out that it was the next victim sloth was especially crazy yeah that was wild yeah and again those little details i forget about like how we sort of get to one to the other mm-hmm. where who's framing parts of those and then i remember that like oh we're gonna get to that guy who doesn't have a hand mm-hmm. and then like where's the hand and i'm like oh yeah that's right so i start connecting like the yeah. Di- yeah, so the, oh, the, so the yeah yeah um the neurons and everything started going off, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I love the way they sort of get you get to those different those different scenes, and they do it really nicely. Again, like I said before, we started where you do get that introduction to the scene because they are always typically not the first on the scene. Yeah, that you have like that one cop, like you better come take a look at this. Yeah. I know <laughs> a guy who's face down in spaghetti. Yeah, yeah. He ain't breathing. Yeah, I've never <laughs> seen anything like that in my life. Um, disgusting. Disgusting. Yeah, but that it's it's them who really sort of peel the onion of the scene away and you mm-hmm. see some of the the more disgusting heinous things in it when i like um, how they ramp up the action for this part because everything else is a lot of standard cop movie fare of slow walking in you move the crime scene tape you duck under it you pull back the sheet and there's the crime scene there's a lot of that but this one is no we know who the fingerprints are we know who this bastard is he's some pedophile drug dealer let's get the whole swat team going you got john c mcginley's Bald head, you know, ratcheting right. up the violence. Everybody's got a shotgun and bulletproof vests. And I think they even say, like, they love this part. This is their favorite thing to do. Oh, but yeah, like, yeah. battering ram the door in and they're sweeping and cleared rooms. And it's, you know, a big SWAT action I could have sworn one of those SWAT guys was, like, the dude from Office Base and a bunch of other shit. Like, he's one of, like, the consultants or whatever that comes in. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. John C. McGinley's the... Oh, okay. Right, yeah, right, right. He's yeah, the okay. doctor from Scrubs. Scrubs, yeah. yes, of course, yeah. of course, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so he's, you know... He's also the one at the end on the in the helicopter, so he's just you know he's going full bore because it's their favorite day. Sure, is the day they get to bust down some perp's yeah. door. Swap before dicks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, as soon as it becomes a serial where it's they're connected, like now we got to call the uh, the real boys into the party. Yeah, and, and I that's... I knew that they, that was obviously going to be a crime scene. You're I know they're not going to yeah. get the person here, uh, and knowing that the seven deadly sins are involved, we've only gotten two so far. It's, it's going to be a crime scene. But you you do have that in the back of your mind of they're walking into a trap and they're going to blow up or they're going to destroy something or someone's going to get shot. 
So there's always that little like, oh, they're going to breach the door and it's tied to a string. It has a gun on it and that guy's going to get shot in the head. Mm-hmm. There's always that little, well, it could happen. Yeah. But the air freshener is hanging everywhere. I thought it was just a weird aesthetic for that guy. Not right. a functional purpose to keep the smell of a rotting, alive body at bay for an entire year. Right. And it's funny you bring that up about like the gun or like like just killing someone else or booby trapping it because mm-hmm. like we kind of figure out later on that like that's not this guy's mo. That's no. not what he does. He doesn't just kill randomly. It's like he does not try to hurt anyone else except for these yeah. people who have sinned. But yeah, like that whole sequence just going in through all the rooms and you start seeing little air fresheners and all of a sudden it's like yeah, oh, yeah, it's it's bad. I mean, what you what you think of our poor guy and the. Uh, so the body is gross. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I would think you guys probably agree that's the grossest crime scene. It's yeah. the one that sticks out. When someone says, you want to watch Seven, I'm like, I don't want to watch that body. Let's watch something else. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I don't want to see, into the I don't see one instead. frame of that fucking thing. Yeah. So, I mean, that guy's super fucked up. Again, he's got the discoloration that the gluttony had. They do the pan down the arm and you can see that he's got the missing hand. Yeah, there's like the nails in his like legs. It's just like it's like every limb has just been through the fucking ringer. Yeah, and I think like his lips are peeled back almost because it looks it almost yeah, looks like a chapstick or something. Skull. But yeah, yeah, it's it's like a mummy. It's like when you see a mummified corpse where there's not skin anymore, but you can see kind of the facial features, or you can see kind of what the yeah. Every human indication like. tells you this is not. A thing with a beating heart at the moment. Listen, I know when I walk into a room, I see what a guy's hand chopped off. He's dead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that uh, that jump scare got me. Yeah, it still got me because I kind of forgot about it. I mean, it just. just like, I just <laughs> had to hide. I just had to and hope that you were riveted by what was going on in the screen, so you yeah. didn't see me just burying my face. Towering. Oh, ugh. yeah, because it's it's not only the jump that shows he's still alive. Which, again, anytime someone gets really close to a body, there's always that, you know, it's the same thing that like, people can't do open casket funerals because they're always expecting that, like, the body's going to come back to life or something. And that right, just is right. a fear that they have. Mm-hmm. But when it it's not just the jumping, it's also the... Yeah. Like, the it's just the sound of just, the like... The death just, rattle. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can just tell there's just no moisture in his throat. It just sounds like... Like a rainmaker or something, it just uh, or whatever. It just, it just, it's disgusting. Yeah. And the fact that later on, again, one of the things that just so stark about this is that that he bit off his own tongue is just so he ate it because he was hungry. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 bad. I was kind of glad that they were like, yeah, he he might make it, or if you shine a light in his eyes, he's gonna have an aneurysm, and he cut out his own tongue, so he's not helpful. Like I was glad that even though he wasn't dead. He was out of the way. He's we didn't functionally dead to the narrative. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I didn't want to see him anymore. No, I, well, that <laughs> yeah, that especially. No, thank you. But I didn't want there to be a scene of like, all right, we got to camp outside his hospital rooms, otherwise the killer could come back and finish the job because we need to talk to this guy. Right. We need to figure out what he knows. They're just like, he knows nothing. He can't say nothing. He'll be dead by the weekend. Don't worry about him. Yeah. On your on your business. On your yeah. business. And I'm trying to figure out sometime after that they either go back to the apartment or we run into like the photographer and I wasn't too sure. Yeah, the photographer mm-hmm. is outside of the uh, Sloss, Sloss apartment. apartment yeah. Yes. As they're unloading the body and they're talking about it and that's when the photographer shows up mm-hmm. and is taking pictures. And now, how, how much of that did you like pick up at all as being like anything that was relevant or do you... Re- 
just assumed it was generic paparazzi bullshit. Didn't even occur to me that that was the killer. Because I, I heard like little account. bits like Kevin Spacey. And That's I'm the like, thing oh, I was going to ask. Fucking hear him. Knowing what you guys know and knowing what I know now, yeah. Can you tell it's him? Because I just yeah. see a guy in a hat, glasses. Like, can you tell a when you're looking for bit. it? It's really well shot, I think, in that you don't get good glimpses of his face. Of his face. He's wearing a wig. You can kind of hear his voice, but it feels slightly disguised. But you're all you're so. You're still reeling from the sloth reveal mm-hmm. and everything that you've been shown about this this unnamed city, this place, it's just grimy and yeah. you know that people do bad things and the cops are not corrupt. It, like, But they'll take a payday to, give, a to tell you where the, the crime scene is so you can get the first photos. Exactly. Right. And so you are not anticipating this person to be anything yeah, other a than first that viewer, like i know it's kevin spacey and when he's like when he's like get out of here get like telling the photographer to like the fuck off he's just like he's like why you don't want my picture like i can hear kevin spacey's voice like mm-hmm. a little bit yeah and that's where i was like "Ooh, i don't know if he's gonna hear him or not mm-hmm. and like the fact that they linger a little bit on it and the fact that he's just a sole photographer again maybe i'm just overthinking how you would have perceived it but again i think when i first watched it i didn't give it one sort of aota like what would yeah any no it? it didn't even begin to to cross my mind that that was the guy i just thought this is another scummy aspect of generic city is <laughs> the cops got to deal with this bullshit too and no one's put together yet at least to the public's knowledge that this is a serial killer that this is some interconnected series of murders so all of a sudden if the paparazzi's showing up that could out this whole thing and that could just be another wrinkle like the next scene could have easily just been like, you know, the Batman spinning newspaper and being like, cops baffled as three men murdered and they all follow the seven deadly sins. More, you know, more at 11, front page, page five, whatever. Right, like, right. So I thought it was just that. Like, just like another thing they're going to have to deal with. Not, oh man, they just stared the killer right in the face. Those fucking idiots. Mm-hmm. And then I think we're moving on to Friday. Yeah, I think this is when, I think that night, is when Tracy calls yes. Somerset. Yes, that night and then Friday morning is they, when they go to They go get breakfast. breakfast. Mm-hmm. Um, Even the eggs being scrambled on that flat top look disgusting for Somerset. No, I was like, no, pass. It, I'll, I'll <laughs> I, love those, I love those city diner breakfast, though. So. Right, right. <laughs> and she, in the course of their conversation, reveals she's very unhappy with being there, but she's made this choice because she wants to support David. Yeah. And I was glad that it wasn't, oh, we just got here and I hate it. I'm thinking about leaving him. Like, I'm glad it wasn't a tension of, I've already made my mind up. It was the tension of, oh my God, I'm, I don't like it here. I don't like the city, but also I'm pregnant. So like, I was glad that that was the problem that she needed to discuss and not like, I just want to leave him. Like, I'm glad that wasn't another element that he's going to have to contend with of like, Oh man, we get to the city. I'm here three days or four days, and wife can't stand it, and she she wants to leave and go back home, and she's leaving me, and now I got to deal with that on top of it. Like I'm glad they weren't throwing other obstacles in their face, the way that I think that can happen in these cop dramas because they always want to bring in the outside personal life aspects of things, and mm-hmm. that usually bogs down the story. And I was glad that that wasn't the case. That Morgan Freeman was even like. Don't tell him until you know what you want to do. Yeah. Don't even mention it. Yeah. I'm like, good, because that's 
Now that's not a problem. We've, we moved on from that. Yeah, see, my fear was that you weren't going to perceive that as sort of a dramatic crux, crux or anything like that, that you would perceive it as her being more of a target in this movie and being more of like a, a you know, a victim of that, a possible victim of, of this story. So touching back to it, the I did think that during the movie of when Mills said his name to the photographer mm. and spelled it out. And then when we realized Ooh, later, either, yeah. we're not at that part yet, but when we realized later that, oh, the photographer is the killer, my first thought is like, why are you, why is there not a scene yet where you get Mills's wife out of there? Because he was like, my name's Detective David Mills. I live in apartment 35A. Like, fuck you, paparazzi guy. <laughs> like, yep. why are you not putting every person you know in a safe house? Like, why are the dogs not in a safe house? With like you put the good catch, I didn't mean you put Greed's really. wife yeah. in a safe house. You don't put your own wife in a safe house when you just told the person you now know is the killer. Yeah, your name, dude. Uh, so I was I was worried for her because of that, but I didn't necessarily think she would end up being a victim. A victim, yeah. I thought maybe there'd be a standoff where he's got her, and this is the final confrontation. Because again, I don't know how it's going to play out in the way that it does. But I, I was like, dude, you just you just said your name to the guy, and you. So that was the only time I thought she was in any real danger. Is only after they realize he's the killer, um, which we still we're not even at that part yet. Right. So in this right. moment when she's pregnant, I'm still not even jumping ahead to being like, oh great, she's pregnant. She's definitely gonna die because mm-hmm. again, the movie doesn't. The movie keeps you so engrossed in the now that it doesn't even really give you a lot of time to think ahead. Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. Or even really think about... I, I did have this thought of, like, call your mom. Yeah. Don't call this man yeah. you've known. And I guess she... Because what I think she's really asking is, like, can I cope? Can I thrive? Can our child thrive yeah. in this kind of environment? The movie's so contained, true. the minute you sort of reach to the outside world, I think, you, sort of like do, you, you crack oh. open like the, the, the world that is... It's like when you try to throw about. a punch in a dream. Everything gets wavy and, like... Yeah. You, Right. Don't bother. Yeah. Just let just go on the roller coaster with Madonna, Madonna to the White House. To the White and House. Just let just let the dream logic <laughs> take you through. I can see it from her perspective of meeting an impartial person, especially one that has been a cop and a detective. Uh, because like if she calls her mom, the mom's not gonna hint hint, you can take care of it, like the not raise it, but take care of it the way that Yeah. Like I feel like she almost wants to hear that it's okay to not still be pregnant. In this mm-hmm. scenario, because the life of a cop wife is hard. It's, the you know, it's yeah. one of the hardest things that you can be where, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not up for it, it's going to be hard. There's going to be a lot of late nights. There's yeah. going to be nights where it's 3 a.m. and you're still up because he hasn't come home and you knew he was doing a raid earlier and you're just waiting for the phone call that says. And then also, too, it provides over. a little bit of stability where he just, if he has nothing to lose, then he's a little more reckless out there. Like the yeah. fact that he has a wife and a kid and mm-hmm. like. He's maybe a little more careful while he's out in the field, and that's something that I think he's like. This is you can go this way, or you can go that way. So, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah there's a lot of you know the theme of work runs through this movie too. You know, well, yeah, because you have someone at the beginning of their career and, and someone, someone at the, at the end, end. Yeah. and but even John Doe refers to the murders as his work. Mm-hmm. So you have people talking about enjoying their work, and you know you have. Mills, who's someone who enjoys his job and is passionate yeah. about it and wants to do it, 
you have Tracy, who is ambivalent about the choices that they've had to make. She's given up her own job so that he can pursue his dream job. Yeah. You have uh, Somerset, who's at the end of his career, who's like, the job is not what you think it is. Mm-hmm. You cannot achieve what you believe you can with this job. Um, yeah, because every murderer you put away, the next day there's going to be another murderer. Mm-hmm. Yep, another a random mugger with his mm-hmm. eyes snatched out, which... Mm-hmm is mentioned earlier in the movie Mm -hmm. as a separate crime from the spree. But there's a conversation that the two of them have in a bar, I think after our fourth murder, maybe touch on that once we get to lust. Once we get there. Uh, oh wait, no, because we haven't even we have we haven't even gotten to John Doe's apartment. Yeah, we haven't got there yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking at author of, the seven deadly sin book or something to that effect like oh. that's so that i i'm trying to remember how they find that they they get the hey he has some sort of like rat or some sort of like guy in the F- police force or the he, fbi he's got an he fbi infor- not informant but like a member a of the bureau who's willing to skirt the rules a little bit yeah yeah so i'm not yeah. exactly sure what rule he breaks or what he does i'm not sure if that's implicated so or yeah so prior to 2001, with, like, the passage of the Patriot Act, it's illegal to look at someone's, like, library. Someone's like, personal data. In the course of investigating a crime. and like Without a warrant. Without. So you can't just say, Okay, I don't know why. Tell I, me everyone who took the anarchist cookbook out. Yeah, and yeah I don't know why I perceived that, and, like, he found out that he, like, was a long time ago an author of... No, he's not no. a book. No, I, no, okay, no. he's just looking into what he has checked out. He's out looking, of the yeah, because that's they explain it in the the barber shop where he's like, "Listen, I'm telling you this because I'm trusting you more than any person should." But we we can do this. The FBI can do this. They can look at they can flag books and then look at every person who's checked that book out. And so they've basically just got this Excel spreadsheet, and down one column is all of these books so dante's inferno canterbury tales how to get away with murder right murder for hire like how to clean up a murder like all of these books sure. yeah. and then the the rows across are all of the people who have checked out all the, and basically it's just finding where all the x's line up and john doe is that person mm-hmm. gotcha gotcha which was a cool little way to do it Though the part later where they're like, how did we even get here? We can't pretend we got here. It's like, dude, there was a whole shootout. You'd think they're just going to wind up and be like, how'd you get here? Like, you, you're you already fucked. Just go in the apartment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What'd you think about that that whole chase? I loved it. I really, really liked that chase a lot. I thought it was harrowing in that every time he peeks around a corner, there's a bullet in his face. So every every other time after that that he peers around a corner, you're like, okay, he could get shot. You know, mm-hmm. he could take one in the shoulder. They've already had that conversation about, have you had to draw your gun? Have you had to use your gun? Have you watched a guy get, you know, lose his life in the line of duty? They had that conversation already in one of the cars. So you know that at any given moment, like, one of these two people could could get it. They, I was never of the mind that both of them would make it to the end. There was always that possibility, especially... Somerset, because anytime you're counting down the days to retirement as a cop, your your days are actually numbered as a human as well. <laughs> so, um, but no, I really like that chase sequence a lot. I really thought there was going to be one of those. It's not who we thought it was. It's just some other crime that that guy committed and he got scared. I didn't necessarily think it was uh, the murderer. And I was expecting like 
you know, Morgan Freeman to take the back way out and then catch him somehow and do like one of those like clothesline. I got you. Right. I got you, asshole. And he'd be like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to do tax fraud or something. You know, like I didn't mean to, mm-hmm. you know, bust up that girl in the park. I didn't know that that yeah. was even necessarily going to be that person. But the second that um, he's got Mills on the ground in the rain, his gun is away and he just puts the gun to his head and just presses it there for a little bit. That's when I was like, okay, this is definitely that guy because that's what he did to Gluttony. That's what he did to to Greed. I think they said they had the marking as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so only at that moment did I realize like, okay, this is the actual guy. But I really like that chase sequence a lot. Yeah, it was really good. And then we finally get to, I think, what I think is the coolest like set piece in here. And I'd not mm-hmm. say like set piece, like an action set piece, but like the apartment yeah. is just like... Mm-hmm. It's creepy as fuck, but it's also like wildly interesting. Like just yeah. all the stuff that's in there, like... I would love. To, it's so stupid. Do you want to go to like a seven pop up, like the friends kind of. couch? You kind of, yeah. Is it like a Perks Cafe, yeah. but this place? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would love to just like pull one of these composition books out and just read yeah. like a page. Yeah. I want to go to the Halloween Horror Nights haunted house where each room, oh yeah, is mm-hmm. one of the crime scenes and one is the apartment. Right. Well, apparently, they did like. They paid a guy to produce multiple books to the tune oh, of fifteen thousand okay. dollars, so they do exist. They do exist. Those exist. Okay. They exist. So put it on your bucket list. Wow, that's Who awesome. Who knows where they are currently? But yeah, I'm sure, on some pop culture. Yeah, wait a minute. Let me for, yeah, I mean, e- e- just even at looking when they had a couple of the shots where it was just like a few pages of the composition book, it yeah. was like my hand is cramping up just looking at it because it just. <laughs> It's a million lines of just it's it's wild, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, but he's got the shrines in there. Yeah, he's got like a neon cross above his bed. So I think yeah, and there's several other I think neon crosses in there. He's got the, he's got what looks like a trophy case of the last three or four yeah, yeah. deaths he's, or uh, kills. He's got the like the the swinging light bulbs where it's just it's there's no lampshade, there's no chandelier. It's mm-hmm. just one string with a bulb on the end, and the bulbs right. are red, so it's giving off this. This weird murder house vibe. Right. Um, he's got the dark room where he's like developing photos in the tub, which is where we find out that he was the photographer. Yeah. But just all those different – and you can tell that Somerset and Mills are both in different parts of the apartment and they're both going into like these multi-pad locked doors and stuff. So again, this is my thinking of every time you go to open a door if you're one of these two – there's a chance it's booby trap. Like there's a chance that sure. he's going to cover his tracks, which again, we find out it's not really his MO. Uh, it probably should have tipped me off that he wasn't willing to just kill him right in the street. Right, right, that right. That this isn't part of his grand scheme, but there's still that, Hey, yeah, he thought, you know, they'd get away with it, but only because he knows when they go back to the apartment, boom, explosion. He doesn't, no one's going to accidentally see him with a gun, shoot a cop in the middle of an alley. They're just going to blow up in the explosion. No harm, no foul. I'm off scot-free. Right, but, right. Yeah, no. Everything in that in those rooms was crazy and creepy and very well done, very it's, well set dressed. It's weird. I, I think it's the scene before us where he's talking about like a guy when they're talking about oh, like who have you shot or whatever. Is mm-hmm. that like after this or before that? Before it's before before because, because the, he talks about like a guy that like he shot or whatever, and they put a lot of emphasis on. It. I'm like, wait a minute, like is it like he the guy? Like I was thinking overthinking it because I was thinking about details maybe I missed over the years, mm. and I was thinking that was maybe like John Doe, like oh, setting up revenge. way before, yeah. Um, but 
yeah, I guess he was just an easy target, really, when it came down to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was because when they draw their weapons in the hallway, I'm thinking back to that scene of yeah. them talking about whether or not they've done it before. Right. Um, but yeah, so whatever they get everyone, in, like the cops and everything, are now investigating everything in the apartment, and I'm trying to think back to what leads them to the wild sadomasochist fucking yeah well first we get the phone call oh yes when they're all that's right that's right i admire you yeah phone phone he's pointing at me phone you hear the fucking phone yeah Yeah. and everyone's just kind of like what phone and it's underneath like a bunch of clothes or like it's very hidden to at one point i don't see what he throws but he clearly unearths it and the next ring is much louder than all the previous muffled ones which i thought was a nice uh sound design touch but yeah, that was creepy, and I think that's when I said to you guys, like, okay, I'm glad that they're just outright telling me now it's Kevin Spacey. Like, yeah. I no problem, yeah. because I saw it when we were pulling up the movie that he was listed as the cast, so I was like, okay, well, hopefully he shows up and it's not, you know, we joked, random hot dog guy, turns out random photographer, right? Yeah, but I didn't yeah. see who it was. <laughs> um, so I was glad at that moment that they're like, okay, we're not playing games anymore, I know Kevin Spacey's the murderer, we're all on board with this, all right, cool, Let's let's go forth. Um, and we don't spend too much time before we actually see him being the killer. Uh, but we do get one more crime scene after this. Right, yeah. And it's funny you mentioned sound design because I thought the most impressive and almost hilariously impressive sound design was the guy with the duster with the fingerprints. It maybe just sounded good on your system, but I'm like, that sounds good. Yeah. It sounds like a really crisp duster. Oh, no. My favorite uh, was the guy who was chiseling off somerset's name from the office and he's just oh, like can yeah. you not do that yeah do you mind yeah the chisel okay. sound was great oh, yeah okay all right all right um i feel like i'm talking like eeyore or something yeah. like that but so okay so when we get to saturday saturday sadomasochism day yeah mm. i guess um they they go to Wild Bill's leather shop. They show the receipt because there's no credit cards. There's no. He's paying everything in cash. Paying everything in cash. Yep. Um, and it's revealed what he had had custom built for himself. And I don't think they show it in the shop. They don't. They you don't. Just it's a. They just say just like you made this, and he's like, I've made weirder, you know. Yeah, and they're like, why would you make something like this? And he's basically saying, like, oh, well, it's all for fun and play. Yeah. Right. And they're like, not no, 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 it's not. And then while they're in the while they're in Wild Bills, they get the, the page, essentially. It's happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, because Kevin Spacey says on the phone, I got to speed up my timetable because you guys are on to me now. Like, I got to up the game a little bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So they go to. Underground sex dungeon. Sex, yeah, yeah. like red light sex district. Club, something, yeah. Sex club and. This big city has it all. It does. It does. It's got everything. Disgustingly so. And they arrive, and there's a man in the suit. The woman who appeared in one of the photographs in the apartment is laying there dead, mm-hmm. and he's just shaking, saying, "Take this off me! Take this off me!" And then I think that's when. The whole look of the suit is revealed, not on his body, but in the photograph. And you realize he essentially has fucked this woman to death. Yeah, which is awful. Which is horrific. Yeah. Yeah. This is the second most horrific part of this movie, I think, because 
it's you don't just have the victim, but you have the secondary victim of this person who was forced into it. And, and I him. will say off the bat, I completely forget about like this scene, but like probably the best acting in the entire movie, just that dude. Oh, that guy freaking out, in the freaking out. Not only there, like about taking the ticket off of me, but mm-hmm. even in like the interrogation in... scene where he's just mm-hmm. like wrapped in a blanket. It's oh god, it's it's like. It... Mm-hmm. When correct me if I'm wrong, is this? This is the only victim we don't actually see, right? We don't actually we don't see that person on the bed. Thank we don't God. See no, her. yeah, I know, but that's almost worse because now oh, I'm yeah. envisioning. And granted, we don't see any of the murders. That's what but... I was kind of trying to tell you before we started that it's one of those movies where you never see any of the murders. No, except mm-hmm. for the vengeance, really. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, but like, so you just have to imagine what this, like, what this person looks like. Yeah, he's gonna. He's told to fuck her with this like strap-on knife or whatever. But that blade is gonna be poking every which way. Like it's not just going to be one swift entrance. Like there's gonna be cuts all over. Like it's going to be horrific. Yeah, yeah. And that's the one that we don't see, which is both good and also something. Not worse. to twist the knife, but it's not even like a kitchen knife. It's like no, some it's jagged. Like, yeah. yeah, it's got Crazy. it's got waves to it. It's yeah, awful. it's ugh. Yep. And so he, <laughs> Somerset is talking to the the man in the suit while Mills goes and talks to the proprietor of the club and this mm-hmm. is where you get that really interesting interchange the proprietor I love it of Mills asks the the operator I guess like do you like what you do and the guy gives him an answer of like I don't know it's a job yeah and I don't know I think he I, said no he's no, like no I don't, don't but it's like it's work yeah, right, it's right. work. I don't know. Which is a good That's, setup for the conversation in the car. It struck me this time. Yeah, I love even like that little useless exchange where it's like, do you, you don't see people carrying stuff in. He goes, I see a lot of people carrying a lot of shit in, in here. here. Yeah. yeah. Dude's coming here with whole suitcases. Yeah, whole suitcases. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, and I think this is what leads us into the conversation between Mills and Somerset in the bar about apathy mm. and yeah. what the sort of obligation is and is somerset choosing to be apathetic because he's overwhelmed and has to leave or is he making that choice because he knows he's quitting yeah yeah exactly and, and and leaving. He, yeah and i i don't i granted we don't know what he was like before the start of the movie but it does seem like he was almost checked out because he knows that it's fleeting that there's no point mm-hmm. it's all very much like what's the end game as a detective in homicide in this gritty ass city, when I know that every person I put away is just going to become two more murderers the next day. Like it's a, you know, a hydra of murderers kind of thing. Right. You, yeah, you put one behind bars or you put one down or whatever. You're just, you're, you're going to get a call the next day that you got to go do this again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, we've already gotten the, the, kind of character note of him telling Tracy I had a partner I I had a person I was who was essentially my wife Mm. who got pregnant and I knew it would be so difficult to have a child in this environment that this they talk about the city but I don't think it's specifically a city in general but just like to the world Mm -hmm. is so hard and difficult and can be so horrendous yeah that I was so frightened to bring a child into it that I wore my partner down Mm -hmm. out of like just my blunt pessimistic or realistic view of the world yeah in a matter of weeks too so like he must have been talking about this nonstop. like no we can't no the world sucks like no i saw <laughs> a guy I'm just, i just imagine something fucked up like i made you alphabet soup and like, <laughs> yeah. like 
No, I watched a guy's eyes get stabbed out today. Yeah. I don't want alphabet soup. Yeah. Give me SpaghettiOs. Give me SpaghettiOs, yeah. Give me that Chef Boyardee. <laughs> then we get to Pride. Pride. Right? Which is a very... I did laugh at the, oh, they cut off her nose despite her face. Yeah, it's like, a throwaway. Okay. It's like the the most, I don't know, inconsequential yeah. sin death in the entire movie. Um, this one seemed mostly just to get one out of it. Like, we just got to get one out of the way to set up the end game. Because if we have three left, okay. Though I almost kind of wish they did have three left. Because then you're like, oh, is he going to blow them all three of them up when they get there? And those are the three. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it was almost... I almost would have preferred to not have it, given how... So did you know at that point that, like, like after this, this last one, when we had the two deaths left, that there were potentially three victims, or, like, out of the three of them? So what I was thinking is, because after this, which, again, we're pretty much going to skip over. Whatever, it's, yeah, it's, just, it's whatever. They walk in, it's like, oh, she's a celebrity or whatever, and she's got a picture of herself above the bed, and the pills are glued to her hand, and the phone's glued because of that other thing that he wrote about calling for help or doing whatever had they not had that there would have been three left because i think at this point i had asked you guys like we've had five yeah. now yeah yeah and morgan freeman was like there's two left like almost on beat he answered me as you got you're like yes five and he's like we've got two left everyone i'm like thanks <laughs> thanks somerset i really appreciate it keep in count had there been three left, I would have thought, oh, these three, like these three, they're they're going to be the ones to get it. The because, three leads, yeah. Because right after this, we get Kevin Spacey shows up, covered in blood, says, "Hey, it's me. You're looking for me. I'm the guy. I did it." And Detective. That's what, yeah, yeah. And that's what kicks off the end game. So had there been three left, I would have thought, well, these three are obviously all dying. But the fact that there was two left left me thinking the cops are going to die or two of them are going to die, or there is actually two by... Like, there was a lot of stuff that could have potentially been the end game where I was like, You okay. never thought of the wife at all. Nope. Even up to this point, never even... I was focused solely on the players that yeah. we've been following this whole movie, the two detectives and the killer. Yeah. And I thought two of them weren't going to make it out of this final scenario rather than... And technically two of them didn't, but, you know... Two of them are still right. Alive. Only I one thought, of them I thought at that point, like within like the last fifteen minutes of that moment, like the whole you know detective that there were so many wife drops, like so many yeah. dialogue that I, I I was I didn't want to look at you. I know. I, I, I almost didn't want to write anything down when he mentioned his wife. I was just I'm gonna wait a couple minutes. I'm gonna wait a couple seconds. Wife, wife. They mentioned the fucking wife again. Yep. Um, they, she... I, so that's where I was worried that they just kept saying it in the dialogue where he was talking mm-hmm. about his wife or what was going she on. Left a message. Yeah. And the woman's like get an answering machine. Oh yeah. My yeah, yeah. wife doesn't have cable and I'm TV. Like, if they just took away a couple more of them, maybe Adam won't figure it out. Maybe. So I just I didn't know where your head was at with it. No. But that's good then. Yeah. No, I was focused a hundred percent on the three main players, um, and I because I thought every other side character we've met this whole time. Because all of them have survived every encounter we've had thus far, that they're not essential to what's going on. It's all about these main these main players, mm-hmm. right? But I did like that whole not interrogation scene, but the the tete a tete with the lawyer, yeah, with Richard Schiff, who's just like, "Listen, I got to do what I got to do for my client. You guys know how this works, and yeah. here's." Here's the rules. Yeah, you go this way, we're going to plead you know, insanity. If you go this way, he'll plead guilty and 
you get what you want. Da, da, da. Yeah. yeah. And I knew they were going to take his, I knew they were going to take his, offer, his yeah. yeah, of course. But Somerset makes a good point of like, you do know this conversation is admissible. And you've basically said, if you don't do this weird request we have, he's going to plead insanity. That proves he's not insane because he has the forethought to say that that's his defense unless you help me out. Like, that's not that's not an insanity plea. You would all day long. It's a have, rabbit hole of finger pointing that, like, who well, knows yeah. how it would end up. But, like, they've got the notebooks. They've got the meticulous, you know, step-by-step plans. They've got the shrines. Like, this is not an insane Again, person. like, with, like, with Bridget said earlier, you start going down that, yeah. that avenue, it falls apart a little bit, and that's where you kind of have to just keep Keep with the same the same pace with the movie. Yeah, and not, I had not to, look back so much on yeah, shit like that. I had to keep those thoughts at bay, especially when it comes to the helicopter part of it, because he's like, "Don't it just these two, only these two, nobody else." Meanwhile, there's a helicopter going boop, 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 above the car for the yeah. entire last moment. I'm just like, this guy would have been like, "No, deal's off" at any point. Which again, his whole deal wasn't to make it out of there alive anyway. Sure, um, but that's what I was thinking of, like. This doesn't this doesn't track this doesn't add up. Yeah, really interesting car ride. We get a lot of like insight into him mm-hmm. and I forgot how long the car ride. It is. was a lot longer than I thought. I did like it a lot though. I yeah. liked I liked that we were almost never in the back with John Doe. We were always looking at at him through the grate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, which I liked a lot because his face is moving, so you're only seeing parts of it. But then he'll stop. And you'll see just, like, his eyes in two holes and then his mouth in, like, two holes at the bottom. Right, right, right. So the framing of those shots I thought was really great. Really cool, yeah. And I love that it harkens back to the conversation they had in the hallway when they interact with the photographer. Like, you can't act on your emotions. You can't let your emotions get the best of you. Like, you got to be calm. you got to be level-headed. And this whole thing is Somerset's calm and level-headed. Brad Pitt's braggadocious. He's a egging him yeah. on. He's being a hothead. And he's playing right into John Doe's whole plan. And he's also being very stoic. But then he's getting a little elevated too when it seems like maybe his plan isn't going to come into play. But obviously he knows yeah. he, he already pulled it off. Yeah. There's a great bad uh, Brad Pitt line where he says, you think you're like some philosopher, you're a fucking t-shirt at best. Yeah. Which I'd like to use on someone someday. <laughs> um, but the... The thing that gets John Doe really heated is the implication that the people that he killed are innocent. Hmm. And I can't remember if it's Mills or Somerset. I think it's Mills that says, so you kill a bunch of innocent people. Yeah. And that's when he's like, he goes on the really long rant about the gluttony victim, Mm -hmm. which does make me laugh. Not because it's funny but just his delivery like no, right. an enormous man yeah. uh, obviously, obviously hit a nerve with yeah. like the conversation definitely turned mm-hmm. and it's interesting because you know you start to see i think a little bit the way that the conversation is framed i think he talks about gluttony i think he talks about the woman who he talks about greed because he's like even you guys got to be with me on this one that guy sucks yeah but he like kind of like this guy who sucks and who defends like a pedophile. Yeah. Who is sloth. Who's sloth, a drug addict. Like that's your best defense. And I think those two characters in particular are the ones that we as the audience are, have the most natural antipathy for. Mm -hmm. 
and then he ends talking about the the diseased whore mm. you know and it, i think it calls into the audience's question like who do you personally have apathy for like yeah. who who are you sort of willing to not see as innocent i think Right, because out, out of all seven, there biases. must be one person you sort of like despise You're like, or yeah, someone that's just like yeah. lower than you or whatever. Yeah, you have within you probably the same antipathy that I've acted on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I like that whole sequence a lot. I love the, you know, the diatribes mm-hmm. and the way that everyone, everyone except for Somerset is rattled to an extent mm-hmm. and thrown off their game. And he's just like, gotta just gotta keep it together and i think at one point he throws a look over at mills of just like dude what have we talked about mm-hmm. you're letting him rile you up you're letting him get under your skin like you gotta calm down He's you getting into your head, yeah. you cannot let him do this he will win and he says it all just with a look yeah like he's just it's like a side tilt side eye like come on man like get it like learn it right which he doesn't know how important that's going to be in a second but he's just He's sticking to his guns. He's sticking to his plan of just be chill. Don't let, don't get riled up here. You're letting him win. Right. Um, and then I think the conversation kind of finally, we get, he's like, okay, it's, it's, it's coming up soon. It's right here. Yeah. yeah. They go down a long dirt road. There's tension lines on either side. Mm-hmm. They pull up to a trailer. They get out. There's a dead dog. <laughs> God. I'm not I... laughing at the dead dog. Johnny's not either. <laughs> just want to clarify that because some people may have turned it off. Um, and John Doe gets out. I didn't do that. Hilarious. It's, it's, yeah, it's it, perfect. The, the last laugh yeah. of the film. The yeah. last laugh right before we get into some serious shit. Um, yeah. And he starts directing the two of them to sort of follow him out into a field away from the trailer. And they're walking a little bit. And then the helicopter, which is following them overhead, sees a big van flying mm-hmm. down the road. There's dust coming up off of it. Yeah, and yeah. You can see like the heat from the like horizon line because they're mm-hmm. in the desert all of a sudden. Yeah, because we're in an unknown yeah. town. It could be New York. It could be Chicago. It could be L.A. Yeah, or be... Calgary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Toronto. Who knows? And. Somerset, Somerset peels off. Somerset says, stay here. Keep your eye on him. Like, just hold on to him. I'm going to go intercept this van. Goes and stops it. What were you thinking at this point, Adam? So I'm still of the mind that there's a booby trap afoot. Like, yeah. I I still have that in my mind as a possibility that, like, okay, divide and conquer. I've split them up now. Something is going to take one of them out. And you can even see it. When Somerset goes to open the box where he's just like, he's really thinking about it. He's like, I, do I really do this? Am I really going to ignore every instinct? They're calling for the bomb squad. Am I going to ignore every single instinct in my body that says, do not open this box? Mm-hmm. Because this can only lead to to trouble. Whether it's me exploding or, you know, me getting shot by some pop-up gun or whatever or something bad is going to happen but again i'm still a hundred percent focused on it's happening to one of these three so when he gets it and nothing when he opens the flap the first flap and nothing happens i'm like okay something's gonna be in the box and until the moment that he 
looks back at Mills and is like, oh, fuck, like put the gun down. And right before he starts to run over there, only then do I realize something's happened to Mills' wife. Yeah. It's only in that moment that I realized that. So at no point, again, I was thinking booby trap the whole way. Because mm-hmm. he does see something that's like pretty powerful and like it makes it even more menacing where he's like, he's one step ahead of us. It's a lot bigger than we thought. It's yeah. like, it's just a head in a box. But I mean, it's like. But he knows what that head in a box represents, which is right, Mills right. losing his fucking shit. Yeah. yeah. And he's been watching it happen this whole week right. of Mills being unable to control his emotions when something gets the better of him. He even says it in the part with the photographer. He's like, it's so impressive to watch someone run on their emotions or something like that. Right. Yeah. So like he knows what this means. He knows the second Mills finds out about this box, that man is dead. And there's nothing he can do to stop it, really. Right. He handled it poorly. I think if you had just walked over and been like, it's just a fucking rabbit carcass or whatever. Like, I don't know what games he's playing. Where are the bodies or something like, you know. I think even if he never even opened up the box, he would have got into his head beforehand. Yeah. Because he would just, he kept talking to him and talking to him. And then yeah. to the mm-hmm. point where he just, he put that seed in. Yeah. I admire you. Yeah. yeah. I thought and the whole wife. envy's my thing was a little thinly veiled. Like, I guess I just envy you. I'm like, okay. That's How could I, that, you? You just met him a week ago. Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of where I wish maybe the writer had tied something in, like a pass where he kind of knew him, or mm-hmm. maybe that sort of that ambulance ride or whatever it was. Like that was like a mm-hmm. some sort of history there. Yeah. But instead of just being an easy target, because, well, I guess I envy you. Yeah, I guess I have your address. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you do wonder what what his plan would have been, who he would have gotten eventually because i think his he was always going to die by suicide like by cop yeah and mills becomes this extra fixation yeah that's um, why like, the movie kind of works better it's kind of like a graphic novel novel come to life you know what i mean where mm-hmm. it's just like it's contained and it just you, that, it lives within its pains it's not mm-hmm. it's not like you can't think too much about it and it's there's yeah. not many options later. Once you get to that point, there's not too many people you can introduce or you can just have like a random victim or anything else. No. It just has to be yeah. that, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Or fortunately, depending on how you enjoyed it or liked it. But And this was this was the the I forget who the screenwriter was, but this was the original ending. New Line Cinema bought it and we're like, This is too dark. We cannot. It's pretty dark. It's pretty fucked up. It's yeah. like we have to come up with something else. So they had a couple different like Giraffe they went and they go rescue Tracy from where she's held hostage. I, I forget some of the other ones. Hmm. But when they were courting David Fincher, Brad Pitt, Morgan Freeman, they sent Fincher the original script by accident. And so that's what he saw and was like, yes, yeah. I can do something with this. Yeah. And then they refused to change back. Yeah. There was even a part of me, too, when you didn't see what's in the box, where I thought he cut the baby out. Granted, she's still so, so new yeah. that you wouldn't be able to. But part of me was like, well, you don't really show until a few months in. So something could like mm-hmm. something could be in the box. I didn't expect it to be her head. Though we Just do all the reproduction reproductive organs or something like yeah. that. Something yeah. like that. Or even, like, granted, it's not going to be a baby-looking fetus or anything sure. like that but i thought that was gonna be especially when he's like you your wife and your unborn kid like i was still thinking that mm-hmm. it could have been the unborn kid that he didn't know about because that would be super fucked up 
I was really hoping he put the gun down. As terrible as all of the things John Doe did, and as any person would probably be like, kill that fucker. Like, fuck this dude. He just mm-hmm. ruined everything. My Part of me was like, okay, but this is going to ruin your life. Like, don't let him win. You've given him everything he wants. Don't. Just don't do it. Don't do it. But he shoots him in the head and then yeah. several more times in various places, I'm sure. Right. Because if like it was a role reversal with Morgan Freeman's wife in a box or something like that, like I think he would have not shot. Yeah. Because it's yeah. two different exactly. people. Yeah. Yeah. So I was really hoping that he wouldn't shoot him. I was glad that after it happened, there was no real dialogue between them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like he oh, kind of just let him be and let him like mourn his wife at that point. Yeah. Well, and and, and Mills too just kind of like walks away. He's just like whatever. Like yeah, I'm gonna go to jail forever because I shot. A handcuffed guy, but yeah. like whatever. And to be, <laughs> to yeah, be I totally, love the whole clip. <laughs> yeah, to be to be honest though, I feel like he's probably gonna get away with it because yeah. like nobody's in that field. The cops have the tapes. You just destroy that shit. Just mm-hmm. be like, no, he lunged at us, and I shot him. Then the delivery guy drove up, and the whole thing was crazy. Yeah, I th- yeah, and I think the tenor of the conversation that happens as he's in the car is like, take care of him. Yeah. Anything he needs. Yeah. Because yeah. um, he is in the back of a car. He's oh, yeah. He's, he got arrested. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, they yeah. easily could have just been like... Right, right, Oh, right. we don't know what happened. It's so crazy. Yeah. He'll probably put in some sort of institution for like five years or whatever and get out. Mm-hmm. Some sort of rehabilitation. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I that the swelling of that scene, the music, and like it's it just... It's a really, really good, especially for... What I would consider his debut movie, you know what I mean, Fincher's mm-hmm. debut movie, like really impressive stuff for a guy that again his first movie was working on a, a sequel to a, a franchise, yeah, yeah, and that was his like real first movie is uh, really impressive stuff. Mm-hmm. No, I I thoroughly enjoyed it. All the tension was there. The sets were amazing. The the little action pieces we get were great. The chase and the SWAT stuff. Yep. The unveiling of these horrific bodies, the the interplay between Mills and Somerset is great. All of their dialogue is great. I mean, some of the side characters, it was weird seeing Arlie Ermey not yelling about and being a drill sergeant or yeah, whatever. Yeah, That was neat to see. Morgan Freeman's laugh is weird, as I mentioned. Yeah, everyone does their job acting-wise. I don't think there's any, like, memorable performances in here. Well, besides Spacey, Freeman, and... Um, and Pitt, I think, are all fantastic in their roles. Right. Um, but no, there's no duds. There's nobody that like, no, brings no it one down. Yet. Right. Gwyneth Paltrow easily could have been a weak link, but even her short, truncated scenes are good. She has emotion on her face. You can yeah. see like her eyes welling up when she's talking to Somerset in the in the diner. So even yeah. the people that aren't necessarily meant to be important, granted, she is important in the end, but. Her nobody brings the movie down in terms of their performances. Nothing stands out as being too like wonky shots, or the the score gives away the the tension, or the score gives away the scene, or anything like that. Everything kind of fits together into a really cohesive, good movie. I'm curious what a Trent Reznor score would sound with this. Probably not that different, to be honest. Like it seems I mean, like they it's almost pretty, take the, the scores. Yeah, I mean, the score is kind of generic. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it, it mm-hmm. does its job. It's it's intense. But if you had more of just, like, you know, like, the synthy type of stuff and, like, the, the stuff that they had, again, we're, ni- we're in 95, so 
we're in that in that period where they stopped doing the Sithy stuff in the 80s, and then yeah. we get really back into it later on yeah. with some of these movies, but... Getting very um, industrial. I wonder if it could also take away if they try to get too... Like, yeah. ooh, he's walking through this, and it's metallic, and it's tinny, and it's scratches, right. and, like, mm-hmm. some of that stuff can be just a little too much. Right. Whereas this, I feel like, is the nice level of, like, low-thumping... Or, you know, there's already a lot going on for you not to have to need something like that, but yeah. he has made cases in the past, like with movies later on, where you would think it would get in the way, but if anything, it's a character and it makes it a lot better as well. Yeah, I think this is one where it's not a detriment to the movie, but it's not something that you come away recognizing or seeing as an, a bonus yeah. or a major plus for it. It's just, it's there to do its job and to service the tension and to service the moments. But it's not anything where you're just like, wow, oh my god, like that right. guy, that guy nailed it. Yeah. It just, it's there to just be there because the movie needs a score, um, and it's not trying to, it's not what's most important here, and it's not taking away from the other elements on screen. Right, right. What about you, Bridget? I know because when you said the last time you watched this was when? Pro- probably about seven years ago as well. <laughs> um, so it had been a while. Yeah, the scenes that were memorable to me when i first saw it are still yes. memorable god i'm just tired now <laughs> i'm just like tired and it's sad. funny because i actually before we like i think last night or whatever i just kind of was curious how people sort of ranked i went through a couple of lists to see where this sort of landed with like fincher movies and mm-hmm. this is like at the at the top a lot like it's either it. one or two or mm-hmm. or three or whatever I think it's really good, but I think there's just so many more polished and better movies in Fincher's career later on that I enjoy just a lot more. And again, that's me. Obviously, everything's subjective, but I just think that there's a lot of great stuff here that has rough edges, and maybe purposely it does because the movie is just rough in in itself. But Mm -hmm. again, the makings of a really solid uh, film career with Fincher... But again, I think I really enjoy some of the more later stuff he does in the 2000s more than than here. Agreed. Um, again, because it just it's it's dark, it's gross, it's just it's not a movie. Like I said, I'll ask you before before we finish. But I mean, when when will you see this movie again? The only th- the only thing I was thinking about as we were watching it is like I do want to go back just to the scene with the photographer and see if I can just watch that scene again and pull that out. I don't right. know that I necessarily. But you get kind of what we're talking about. It's just, it's a hard yeah, one to kind of like, because like something like Silence of the Lambs is like, it has the same tone. It maybe doesn't have some like the humor with Brad Pitt and stuff, but. it's To me, that's more rewatchable. Yeah, because it it's not overtly gross. They talk about gross things and a couple of gross things happen on camera, but. It's ultimately that, triumphant. Yeah, correct. Yeah. Obviously, her head doesn't end up with a box or anything like yeah. that. and. When this movie is like uh, Somerset's line of like, there's there's no happy ending. You like you know this, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if we get him and he's Satan himself, like there's no happy ending here. This is going to end on a downer, and it it does. Yeah. So it makes it hard when there's not a redemption in the last scene of anything. Yeah. To go through and rewatch it when you know it's just it's it's a movie that's pretty much all downhill with no kind of. Yeah. Way right, way out. I don't want to necessarily go down this road. And right, when you know the ending, now knowing the ending, I feel yeah. like that might take away from it. But For there'll some be some, people, there'll be things that I'll I'll look at. Yeah, in another rewatch at some point, 
I'm not penciling one in, but there'll yeah. be things that I'll look for to see what clues they gave me that I missed the first time knowing what I know now. Yeah, like, see, I, like, look forward to the ending of this movie. Like, I, like, that's a satisfying ending to me, believe it or not. Like, I yeah. think that was the only way they could have ended this movie for how dark and ridiculous. Because if it ended up being just a little bit light at the end, a little bit of levity, it would have kind of, like, felt out of place, I think. And it just, it, that ending belongs in this, mm-hmm. again, this very sort of cynical movie. Yeah. Oh, well, we didn't really even talk about, like, the Hemingway quote that is, like, the... Oh, someone like we're fighting for or whatever. Yeah, this world, yeah. Uh, the Ernest Hemingway says this world is a fine place. It's worth fighting for. I believe in the second part, and like that's it. Yeah, yeah. That's the one tiny granule of sugar you get to make just the medicine go yeah. down. Yeah. Um, well, and that's why I feel like had he not shot him and he just like collapsed and cried, it would have been still super sad. But at least he would have won out in the end because he didn't fall Mm -hmm. prey to this game and that would at least be it's not uplifting it's not a moment of levity but it's it's not an absolutely soul-crushing downer like he lost his wife and now he lost his career and he's going to life in prison right and i think you had honestly now that we talk about it like i I can't really think of too many overtly happy endings in any avengers movies you get a little bit here and there you get like but we all uh, love facebook now so that's really no right right of course (laughs) But again, the guy becomes super rich, but he becomes completely miserable again, at least yeah. in that characterization of yeah. of uh, of him. But like, you know, we talked like Gone Girl, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. he gets his wife back, but I mean, is that oh, yeah, like, is that, is that, is that, is that a, a, yeah, a is happy that, ending? No. Is that a good thing? <laughs> right, yeah. I, I don't want to get into some of the other movies that you haven't seen, mm-hmm. but I mean, I would anticipate that you are, this is kind of like his thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's not going to give you the rainbows and sunshine no. at the end of movies, like a Spielberg movie or something like exactly. that. Exactly. I, for one, still enjoyed it. I, for one, will probably still shelf it and watch it in a few years, five years, whatever. I think that's kind of like my my uh, my rental period to <laughs> go back and rent it. <laughs> yep. Um, but, yeah, no, I... Again, if you had not seen like more of the Fincher movies, I think would be great to put on the list and mm-hmm. get some people in to watch those yourself too. And then, um, but uh, yeah, really enjoyed watching this one with you, bud. Cool. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate you guys showing this to me. I, I did thoroughly enjoy it. Don't know that I'll necessarily go back to it anytime soon, but. Is you know. The Rocketeer still at the top of your list of the ones we've shown you, or was there one before that? I'm trying to think what was oh, your most, your, your, your favorite so far out of the, I don't know. I the feel 30 like or so we've done. Rocketeer was really good. I remember coming away really high on Good Morning Vietnam. Yeah. I really enjoyed that one a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Christmas Vacation was a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, That's right. So I would have to go back and oh, look you got at a, the... You got a bunch of good ones, yeah. Yeah. Um, so I'd have to go back and look at the list of, of things to really rank, which we... Maybe we'll do it a year's end yeah. kind of thing. Once yeah. we get to I, our, I just keep getting the weird ones, I yeah. guess. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll rank our definitive <laughs> new favorite movies. But right. no, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. I, I was I was happy that this hadn't been spoiled or that the thing that I had heard once didn't kick in in my brain yeah. or anything. I didn't see anything beforehand that ruined it. So I was glad that it was as fresh as it was for me because uh, I feel like that probably would have taken away a lot of it. Absolutely. anything yeah. about either the victims and the, the, those crimes in particular or the ending or anything like no, that. Yeah, because again, I think it's a movie that, again, there's a lot of interesting stuff and discussing stuff throughout, but like that ending, it's, it's a movie mm-hmm. where the ending is very important for you not to know any exactly. of that. So, yeah, no, super glad that that wasn't ruined for me and that I was able to just 
be along for the ride and go through it and just enjoy it for what it was. Uh, and so I am, uh, I'm grateful for that. Awesome. Cool. Well, uh, that'll do it then for this week's episode of fine. I'll watch it. Remember you can find every episode of fine. I'll watch it every Thursday morning at 9am on Google podcast, Apple podcast, Podbean, Stitcher, and Spotify. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. So let us know what you think of Seven, what you think of David Fincher movies, what you think of some of these crime serial killer type thrillers. Let us know what you think on Facebook and Twitter at Broken Clock Pods. But once again, for fine, I'll watch it. My name is Adam. I'm Bridget. And I'm Johnny. And thanks so much for listening.